Come on, somebody say vision. Amen. Can we just stand up on our feet one more time? And we're going to go ahead and just uh, read this scripture here. Um, and we've been, in, how many have been enjoying this series about vision? How many have vision for your life? All right, great. So in Nehemiah 1, uh, 1 through 4, it says, In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King, uh, we'll just skip his name, Artaxerxes, whatever, King A. A, I was at the fortress of Susa. You see how prepared I am for to say these words, right? Hananiah, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. And I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. And they said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. And the wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And he said, when I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, I fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. And um, I really feel like we're in a season where God has called us as a church to, to pray, to fast, to seek his face. You know, there's so many things going on in the world that's upheaval, that's uprising. You know, even today there are 70 nations that are meeting together even to uh, talk about Israel and, and to divide the land. And if we look clearly in scripture, the Bible um, says that that's not God's plan. And, and I don't know what side of the fence you, you, you know, you rest on, but when I read my word, it's very clear. That's one thing that is clear. And so I believe that this is a very timely scripture that we need to pray. We need to believe God. And so right now, let's just pray. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in Relentless. We thank you for what you're doing in our nation. Even though sometimes it feels like we can't see it, we thank you that you're doing something amazing in the nations. And even as I'm reading this scripture, I just really want to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You said pray for the peace of Jerusalem and you will prosper. So Lord, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Let her warfare be ended and give her double for her shame. And God, as we go forth in this message, touch our hearts today, God. Let it be more than just information, but let it be inspiration that causes transformation, that causes us to move into the things that you have for us. So God, we give you the praise. We thank you for doing these things in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Amen. You can do better than that. Say amen. All right, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you, worship team. You guys did an amazing job. Love you, Justin. Go on his Instagram. He got some new photos. He's trying to be a model, so let's do it. Now you got it, man. You got the, you got the length. You got the look. Come on, man. <laughs> Why y'all laughing? Y'all got to encourage the boy. You know, put a couple, say, hey, here's a couple of dollars. We're going to send you up to New York. Somebody say, I'll take that pass if he don't want it. Well, today uh, we're going to go on our second part. Yeah, last week we talked about vision and uh, we're going to keep on that topic, but we're going to talk about uh, ready, set, wait. And I know that's what we all love to hear when we talk about vision, don't we? But it's going to be good. I, I want to tell you today that, that um, well, last week we talked about how vision is the ability to see beyond where you can look, to see farther than where you can look. You know, a lot of everyone has sight, but not everyone has vision. And God wants to a people that will rise up that will have great vision for their life, great vision for their city, for their community. I have great vision for this church. I have great vision for what God wants to do for our nation as well. And I want to start off saying that life is a journey. Somebody say life is a journey. And every journey has what? It has a destination. And everyone ends up somewhere in life, uh, and, and some people end up there on purpose. 
So everybody's going to end up somewhere, but some people are really going to make the initiative and, and, and have the drive and have the, the spiritual force behind them to actually make their dreams become a reality. Um, I was thinking about this. My wife is, is uh, interested in doing some certain things, and, and, and there were some things that didn't pan out. And over and over, I just saw her tenacity, and that showed me more and more that, man, this is from God, that, that she would not give up. She's not going to give up. And I'm so, I'm so proud of you, baby, by the way. I love you, Ashley. You all should say, oh, and don't hate. Just say, oh, and if you don't got that in your life, you'll get it. Praise the Lord. We'll, we'll pray. No, pray. Uh, a clear vision along with the courage to follow it through dramatically will increase your chances of coming to the end of your life and, and, and looking back with a deep abiding satisfaction and, 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 a, um, um, uh, a, um, what's the right word to use? A, a satisfaction and, and a desire. Oh, that's the wrong word. Uh, look back with a deep abiding uh, satisfaction and thinking that I did it. I succeeded. I finished. How many want to end your life saying I did it? I succeeded. I finished. I don't know about you, but that's what I dream about. I, I, I don't, I know already, you know, I'm a young man. And when I talk about vision, I promise you, I'm not going to talk about things that I haven't been through. And, but I, I want to tell you that when we talk about vision, I used to be all about where I was going, but now I'm just saying, Lord, can you just get me there? Can I love my wife in the process? Can I love my kids in the process? Can I love my friends in the process? It, I don't, it, it, I want to get there, but let me not leave people behind while I'm getting there. Let me love people well. Amen. Come on, somebody. And so um, I want to live a life that say my life counted in Second Timothy four, seven. I'm a little emotional today. I feel the presence of God. I hope you do, too. It says I fought the good fight or I competed well and I finished the race. I have kept the faith. And that's that's what my desire is. Uh, with no vision, uh, we will end up with wonder, wonder what could have or what should have or did my life really matter? And I don't want to, I don't want to end my life wondering, did it really count? I want to end knowing that I left empty. I left the world empty. I poured it all out. I gave it all. I ran the race that God has set before me. And I think life is hard when we define it as a destination instead of a journey. And many times we despise where we are in life. So, uh, of course, without vision, this would be hard. If we didn't have vision, then we would despise where we are. But vision gives us hope and significance and uh, to an otherwise uh, meaningless life. You know, sometimes it feels like the devil is in the details. You know what I'm saying? You know, most of our life wouldn't make sense uh, without the perspective or the larger context of the story that God is uh, drawing. So think about it. There's nothing glamorous about shovels. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. There's nothing glamorous about shovels and hard work and filling in uh, bags of dirt. How many know that's not glamorous? But if you put that in the context of building a dike and saving a city from a flood, how many know you just added a, a purpose? And how many know that that hard work and that thing that, you know, you normally would be like, man, this is tough and I, I just want to give up. Now this has meaning. And I want us today to be able to pick up our shovels again, to, to, to dig the ditches again that God has called us to dig, because I believe that God is going to use relentless and use your life to save a city. He's going to use your life to save your family. He's going to use your life to rescue those that are in darkness. And, and when we think about purpose, it gives us adrenaline. And that's what vision does. It weaves passion. It weaves motivation. It weaves direction. And it weaves purpose into our life. Let me say that again. It weaves, it weaves passion into our life. It weaves motivation into our life. And then it, it begins to weave direction into our life. I, there's some things I can't do because of where I'm going. There's some 
things that I can't enter into because of what God is doing in my life. Vision will hone you in. Vision. And I'm telling you, when people have people that have purpose are beautiful. People that live out their purpose and, and live out their God honoring vision is, is, is beautiful. And I want to talk today about two building blocks or I should say three building blocks to um, visioneering. Uh, but before, I want to um, talk about the divine element, because I think that's so important when we talk about vision. First Corinthians six nineteen to 20 says this, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you have received as a gift from God, and that you are not your own property? You were bought with the price. You were actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and made his own. So then honor and glorify God with your body. The average person has a right to dream their dreams, right? And develop their own picture of what they think their future could be. But at the cross, those of us who swore allegiance uh, to the cross lost that right. And we are not our own. And we only want to have God honoring vision. How many want to have God honoring vision? Say, Lord, not my will be done, but let your will be done. Amen. Honoring God involves discovering his picture or his vision for what your life could and should look like. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we are a product of God's vision. Somebody say, I'm God's dream. Come on, you can do better than that. Say, I'm God's dream. That's right. You're the dream of God, the outcome of what he envisioned. He thought about you a long time ago. Amen. And he said, you're good. And his vision is not complete, though, without you walking out. That's what he has prepared for you. So, yeah, we're his we're his uh, work, handiwork, we're his workmanship. But guess what? That is not complete until we actually are walking it out and living a life on purpose. Somebody say, I want to live life on purpose. And so I want to give you the story of Nehemiah, and I'm going to read it here because it's so fascinating when I, when I study this out. It, it says around 587 B.C., the Babylonians invaded Judah and destroyed the city of Jerusalem along with Solomon's temple. And this was the third out of three campaigns in that region. Has anybody ever been deployed in multiple times and, and you've seen uh, what war does to a region? You see those things. And so this was the third out of three. And on all three occasions, the Babylonians took a number of Israelites as captives and resettled them in Babylon. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or bad Negro, whatever you want to say, were taken during that first um, um, invasion. Only, only two people laughed. That wasn't that funny, right? Okay. And about 70 years after the first Babylonian invasion, Cyrus, who was the king of Persia, who had since conquered the Babylonians, so Persia came in and they conquered the Babylonians, gave the Jews permission to return and to rebuild the temple. Now, under the leadership of a man, Jerubbabel, uh, say that 500 times quick, those exiled Jews returned to Jerusalem and built, rebuilt the temple. And things were looking up for a while, and it seemed as if Israel was on the verge of becoming a nation again. But people refused to turn away from the very sins that God had judged their ancestors for in the day of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. And so the temple was not being maintained. The sacrifices had ceased. And the Jews continued to adopt uh, religious practices uh, from uh, the surrounding nations. So by the time the story begins, the political, the social, and the spiritual climate had all gone downhill. And meanwhile, back in Persia, there was a fellow named Nehemiah. Glory to God. 
God. And he heard about the plight of his homeland and he felt something. Have you ever felt something in your heart? Have you ever, I mean, just been impacted by something that you heard? In fact, what he felt was so deep that he wept. He, that, that was called a burden. Somebody say a real burden. And uh, uh, he went to a time, a period of, a period of fasting and praying. His feelings were so deep that the initial birth pains of a, uh, his feelings were the initial birth pains of a vision that people would be reading thousands of years later. And so that's kind of like where we enter in today. And so um, the first building block I want to give you today, please write this down. Think about it. Go through it because you want to ask yourself these questions after. And I really wanted to make some notes for this because I feel like it's so vital for where we are as a church and where we are as individually. The first building block is vision begins with a concern. And so Nehemiah has this concern. A God-ordained vision begins as a concern. And you will hear or see something that gets your attention. Like I said, something will speak to you and you will say, man, there's something that has to be done with that. You know, vision is not uh, something could be done. Vision is more like something has to be done. It should be done. I can't, I, I can't sit around and watch this happen. I have to do something. Somebody say, I have to do something. And, and, and a thought related to your future will generate an emotion. An emotion is not always bad. I've been in ministries and churches where they say, you know, don't have emotion. You know, just be led by the Spirit. But how many know the Spirit uh, ministers to your emotions? Amen? And if you didn't have emotions, you would be what? A robot. Your emotions come out of your soul, and God created your soul. Amen? So Nehemiah's concern over the condition of Jerusalem, it broke him. Has anything broke you in the season? It broke his heart. You know, I hear people and, and, and so many people on the Internet and everything. And, and, you know, of course, we have the New Year's resolution. And I love that. I love, you know, going after God. You know, um, so, uh, one of my friends, Chase, he's a, he's a um, uh, uh, trainer in the gym. And, and he wrote a post a while ago. And he said, you know, all these people came into the gym, you know, New Year's. And it was packed. And all the people that had been going regularly uh, were... Uh, basically angry and said, oh man, I can't wait till all these people just leave and they get out of here. And, and then he said to them, and, he, and they looked at Chase and said, don't you agree? And basically, in a long story short, he said, well, no, I really don't agree because these are the next set of winners that are coming in. These are the next set of people that are going to uh, reshape their bodies, but also reshape their minds and, and live a healthy life. And so he had a vision for them. And then he looked at him and said, when's the last time you've been here? Actually, I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. Anyway. So Nehemiah concerned, it broke him, it broke his heart's thoughts of what was opposed, uh, or what was opposed to what could be brought tears to his eyes. Uh, this was not a casual concern. This was a vision that was in the making. And so the question says, like, so what did he do? Somebody say, what did he do? Come on, say it loud. Say, what did he do? Nothing. <laughs> he did absolutely nothing. He didn't fabricate a reason to leave Persia. He didn't gather people around and talk about how bad things had got in Jerusalem and figure out a plan and try to raise up a little army. No, he didn't do that. Neither did he let his daily responsibilities distract him from the burden that gripped his heart. He chose the harder option. He chose to wait. Somebody say, I need to wait. Uh-huh. Y'all was like, yeah, what'd he do? Now you're like, I do. <laughs> Nehemiah knew what so many of us have a hard time remembering, what could be and should be, can't be, until God is ready for it to be. Hello? <laughs> so he waited. There's beauty in the waiting. Building block number two, 
A vision doesn't necessarily require immediate action. James 1.4, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete and desiring nothing. There's something that happens, a beautiful thing that happens in, there's a scripture that says, wait on the Lord. And when we say wait, we, sometimes we, we think wait means, well, I'm just going to sit here and look at my clock and I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Is it time yet? Is it time yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Is it time yet? And that's like my kids, my daughters, like, you know, when we say, hey, you know, Christmas is coming soon. They were like, is it time yet? Is it time yet? How many days left? 20 days left. Okay. In the night, like now, dad, it's, it's, it's like it's 19 days, but 13 hours. I mean, my daughter's like, she thinks like that. So I'm like, oh, my God, Lord, help me. But a vision rarely requires immediate action, but always requires patience. So why do we wait? I think that developing or discovering a vision for a particular area, it takes time. It takes time for us to really see who God has created us to be. And that's why I love Discover Your Gift class where we learn about our personalities. We do a personality assessment where you say, well, this is the kind of person I am. And then you learn what your gifts are. You say, oh, this is the kind of gifts that I have. And this is my passion. And you start to get a picture of who you are. And and that's why waiting is so important. But I want to give you three things that happen uh, in the waiting. Please write these down. Please think over these things because I think that this is so important. One thing that happens that the, uh, the vision uh, matures in us. That's the first thing. Do we, I think I might have did something wrong when I wrote that. Uh, so that's wrong. It's actually vision matures in us. So that's the first one. Not every good idea is vision material, but every vision begins with what? A good idea. Not all burdens are vision material, but every vision begins with a burden. So time allows us to distinguish between good ideas and visions that's worth throwing the weight of our life behind. Waiting gives us a chance to evaluate our emotions, right? And to see, and to see if our concern, if, if one thing that, um, uh, someone, a wise person told me said, Malik, if you really want to do something that's like going to affect your family or you, like, don't just do it as soon as you think about it. Don't just do it as soon as you get a passion for it. Wait for at least three to six weeks. Just wait. And if it's really life altering, wait till three months and see if you still have that same passion, if you have that same desire, three months. Because my tendency is I want to start something new every day. That's my personality. That's my calling as a visionary. I want to do something new all the time. And, and if I did that, my life, how many know my life would be so erratic? My, my family would be, be crazy. So I had to learn like, hey, you know, if it comes to moving, if it comes to buying something that's, uh, you know, big, if it comes to anything like that, let's just wait a couple of weeks to see if I have the same passion, to see if I have the same desire. Time allows us to distinguish between good ideas and visions that's worth throwing our life behind. Just as you can't rush the development of a baby, right, Angie? Where you at over here? Angie about to have that baby at the end of the week. Let's give her a big head clap. I can't wait to hold her and pray for her and say, I bless you in Jesus' name. And we thank you for your family for coming. We love you guys. are beautiful. But just like you can't rush the development of a uh, a baby, you can't rush the development of a vision. God determines the schedule for both. How many know that? No premature vision. Somebody say, I don't want any premature vision. Guess what? Because premature babies, right? Uh, they're not, a, they, they, you know, we're not, we're not speaking this over anybody who's had a baby to premature, but I'm saying more, but it's obvious that a premature baby is not yet at its full strength. 
It's not a strength that actually you want it to when it comes out. And so premature, uh, immature visions are weak and they rarely even make it in the real, real world. Let me tell you why. Because the world is hard on vision. Why? Because vision means change. And people don't like change. Can I get somebody to say that's right again? Because I know it is. After all, vision is about change, and change is not welcome in most areas of our life. For a vision to survive, it has to be mature enough. It has to be healthy enough before being exposed to the cynical, critical, and stubborn environment that demands and expects it to survive. Basically, time will tell whether it's your plan, it's somebody else's plan, or it's God's plan. So it's better to wait. It's better to let it stir inside of you. Somebody say, help me, Lord. We mature in preparation for the vision. That's the second thing. First, the vision matures in us. But secondly, we mature in the process. Not only does the vision mature, but we mature. Often we are not ready to move out in our pursuit of a vision. The tendency is to assume that since I know what to do, I'm ready to do it. God has to grow you. Somebody say, God grow me into my vision. Let's watch this real quick. Does anybody can hit the lights? Maybe it's too late. All right, all right, all right. So here we got Luke. Luke has tons of training. Actually, he has hardly any training at all. You can go ahead and stop it if you're up there. That leads to the dark side, yes. <laughs> but how many feel like Luke sometime? Like, I can do this. But what, what, what um, um, whatever his name is, the little green guy, Yoda. I know, I'm not a, I'm, I'm getting there, y'all. I'm, I'm getting there. But Yoda was, what he basically was saying to him is like, you know, you fought Dark Vader in a vision in, um, in, in a cave, uh, and you lost. And now you're not ready yet to go face him. And matter of fact, he's luring you 
to this place to rescue Leah and Hans and all of them for the simple fact that he can hurt you, that he can get your abilities, or he can turn you to the dark side, because we all know Luke's father was uh, Darth Vader. And so what happens is, huh? Really? Okay. I was like, really? Y'all didn't know that? Dang, I'm good. Um, but the, but the point is, is that, of course, in the, in the fantasy world, he goes in and actually rescues them. But guess what happens? He loses his hand. He wasn't ready yet. And many times in our life, we're not ready. Of course, everything works good for Luke, but God goes to work in you to prepare you for what he knows lies ahead of you. And like Luke, the need seems so urgent. Oh, I got to do it. I got to get this done. Uh, that it seems foolish to wait. But let me tell you, God is sovereign. And your vision is simply an extension of his vision and his timing is perfect. Somebody say amen to that. Philippians 2.13 says, for it is God who is at work, um, uh, uh, at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So he's working in you to prepare you to act on his purposes. How many want to act on God's purposes in 2017? Amen. His purposes are in accordance with his timetable. A lot of people say, yeah, I'm called. I'm going to do something amazing for God. But guess what? You got to wait. You got to work with him because I love with the, what's the other guy with the glowing guy? What's his name? Obi-Wan. He said, if you go, I can't go with you. And you won't have the full backup power that God wants to have in your life if you go running ahead and doing things that God has not ordered you to do yet. Somebody said the blessing is in obedience and we obey him because we believe him. We obey him because we trust him. And so, um, That's probably why the next scripture after that says, do everything without grumbling and complaining. (laughs) Because in the midst of God working in you to do his will, there's going to be some places of grumbling and complaining. You know, and there's good ideas and there's bad timing. How many know that? I mean, think about Moses. Here he was to set his people free. And he got this vision to to set them free and I'm going to do it. And what did he do? He went and killed some people. Killed the Egyptian soldiers. Bam. And what did that get him? Nowhere. I mean, what was his plan that he was going to do that like every couple minutes? It would take him a lifetime. And so God had to bring him out and bring him to the school called Mount Sinai. He had to train him and had to equip him. Are you guys want to be, do you guys want to be trained? Do you guys want to be equipped? I know I do. So God is at work. Next, the third point is God is at work behind the scenes preparing the way. Somebody say glory to God. Can we just stop there and just give God a hand clap for that? God's preparing the way. I know I kind of brought y'all down. I got to bring you all the way back up. No, but seriously, God is preparing. He's working behind the scenes. I can't tell you how many things had to come in place for this to come about. I can't tell you how many things had to come to place for my wife and I to move to Germany. You know, I remember when God first spoke to me and told me to go to Germany. I was excited. I didn't think he wanted us to live there. I think he just wanted us to minister there. And so we went through all these things. You know, we went there the new year and we went there for one week. Then we went there for three weeks. And then the Lord started speaking to me around that the time that we went for three weeks that I was going to be the pastor of this church and you know, it's a, it's a very long story, but the, the point of that story is, is that I didn't, we were at that time taking care of someone's home. We didn't even know. I was like, God, if you want me to do this, this has to happen soon. And number one, no one's asked me here in Germany to take, to take the pastor position. And, and, and then number two, I have a home that I'm, it's acres of land, a pool, a lake in the back. We're cutting the grass. We're taking care of the home. And I don't understand like what can happen. And I, re- I never forget. I told my wife that the, what the Lord was saying, I just said, yes. Somebody say yes. 
Sometimes you just got to say yes to the Lord. And I remember going and listening to my answer machine. You know, I was in Germany, so I was listening if anybody called me. And on my answer machine, the lady who we were um, watching the house, she said, you know, my son is having another baby, and I'm thinking that it would be good for him to move into the house. So without a lack of better words, she was saying, can you please get out? How many know God was work behind the scenes? So when God wants to do something in your life, you don't, you don't always see it. You don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to happen. Somebody's going to happen. Oh, God, you don't know now, do you? It's going to happen. Somebody say it's going to happen. And so in the case of God honoring divinely ordered vision, God is working behind the scenes to prepare the way. That's why it's so important that we wait on this timing. Remember that your personal vision, somebody say personal vision, is only one small piece of the puzzle. Ultimately, we are taking part in the massive assault that began one dark afternoon on a city outside of Jerusalem. God's vision is much bigger than you. Hello? Somebody say, "Uh uh-oh. God's vision is way much bigger than you. And so we have to, without God's intervention, his preparation, you will be unable to carry out what God has for you to do. I'm so glad. You know, I think I've thought about David in the back of the mountain, you know, watching the sheep. And that's where he learned his relationship with the Lord. And he wrote all these beautiful songs and psalms. And then he had an um, opportunity to use his hand and to kill a bear and then use his hand to kill a, 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 a lion. And you, th- and, and you know, in my head, I'm like, man, all I'm doing is watching his sheep and, you know, doing these things. But God had a plan for him. He didn't know that soon he would be anointed the king and soon he would be the slayer of thousands. Matter of fact, he took down the greatest one called Goliath. And I believe that God prepares us for Goliath. How many know if he wasn't ready yet? That's what he said to Saul. He said, you know, I've killed the lion. I don't need other people's armor. God has prepared me. And I just, I just, I just beseech you as your pastor, as someone who just loves you and generally cares for all of us here. I'm glad that you guys have vision. I'm glad that we're going forth, but wait and let God prepare you. Don't step out prematurely and do things because not only could you suffer, but those around you could suffer. Oh, my God, this is not coming out the way I thought it would. I thought it was going to be happy and y'all going to say preaching. <laughs> How many know sometimes we need dads in our life? And that's what dads do. They sit down with their daughters and their sons and they give it to them the real way. Because sometimes we have this fabrication in our mind and we have this drive that sometimes doesn't, doesn't come from God. Sometimes that drive comes from our own desire to succeed, our own desire to be, have attention drawn to us, our own desire. And if these things aren't dealt with in the preparation mode, when you get there really on the, the real world, you'll crumble. And I don't want any of you to crumble because, like I said earlier, the world is hard enough. How many know Jesus could have crumbled? He could have easily called down, the Bible says, legions of angels to save him while he was on the cross. But Think about it. 33 years, y'all. The son of God, full of power. Didn't do anything. He waited for the moment. And, and just because he waited doesn't, you know, uh, I heard uh, John Gray, he said, uh, sometimes th- just because you're anointed, you, you still have to wait for God's announcement. That you could be anointed, but God, wait for God to announce you versus telling everybody how great you are. How great am I now? Or whatever. You guys okay? I'm almost done. God's vision is much bigger than you. 
So plug in, spend time with them. That's why we're fasting, we're praying. And also, I want to put a plug. This Tuesday, when we're fasting and praying, we're going to take some time to journal. I want you to bring your pens, bring your papers. Let's figure out what the Lord is saying to you. Let's ask God some serious questions, and we're going to have some time in that hour and a half just to wait on the Lord and just to hear what the voice of the Lord is saying. And so the good question I know to ask now is, so what do I do when I wait? I hear you saying, wait, 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 prepare yourself. But what do I do? What's, what's my part? And I believe our part is to pray and to plan. Somebody say pray and plan. And so we need to, number one, we need to pray for opportunities. Look at Nehemiah 111. Oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put into his heart to be kind to me. In these days, in those days, I was the king's cupbearer. So we need to pray for opportunities. Even more than miracles, we need to pray for opportunities. We need to pray that God would open up the right hearts. You know, I want to tell you something. You guys might not know it because God's doing it behind the scene, but God has given us so much favor with so many different churches in this region. God has really opened up the hearts of so many key leaders in our region to pour not only into me, but to ask. You know, I've had a couple pastors say, what can, I, what can we do for you? What, how can we help you? How can we assist you? How many know that's favor? And that's opportunity. So pray for opportunity. Pray for favor. Compassion. Uh, favor can also be called compassion and mercy. So what he was saying is that he needed the king to feel something. Come on, when you go out there with your business proposal and when you put things up on Facebook and do all these different things, what? You need people to feel it. Because there's plenty of stuff that I went by and I looked at and I don't feel it. There's plenty of websites that I've checked out and say, I'm just not feeling this. Right? And so you have to wait so God can mature that vision. So when you put that vision out there, people can feel it. Somebody say amen. He needed the king to feel it, something. He needed to feel something when he talked about the plight of the Jews in Jerusalem. And after all, his predecessors were the ones that tore the whole city apart. It was his predecessors, the, the people before this king, that were the ones that uh, tore it all apart. And so he, how many know that he needed favor? He needed opportunity. Prayer takes us beyond human capabilities and possibilities. Someone uh, said a couple weeks ago, I read, that you can't go anywhere where your prayers haven't gone before you. I want to, I want to, I want to, I I, how many know you're a product of prayer? I tell everybody, I'm a product of my mother's prayer. My mother prayed for me. She went to a bridge for weeks while I was on drugs, smoking, drinking. And she went to a bridge every day for about three, a whole summer and cried out on the bridge, Jesus saved my son. That was her prayer. And God heard her. Amen. How many think God saved me? Amen. He didn't just save me. He turned my whole life around. Amen. And I believe that as we pray and as we plan that God will begin to do amazing things. Last building block number three, pray for opportunities and plan as if you expect God to answer your prayers. And so uh, can uh, Justin just come up? We're, what we're going to do, we're going we're gonna to put a video on. And I just want um, Joe, um, uh, I want Joe, Connie, Kevin, I want some of you guys just to come up and help me pray. And I want to pray for the worship team as well. I want to pray for everyone here that God, in, the, in this time that God will prepare you, that God will get you. I, I thought he was about to go play the drums. I was like, what in the world are you doing? You don't even need those. You can just start playing because you're not going to be playing for long. But the, the last building block is that we need to pray for opportunities and plan as if you expect God to answer your prayer. So this is my heart. I, I believe that the vision that we have this year for Relentless is to connect and grow. I talked a little bit about that last week, that we'll be able to connect with God. Amen. How many need, know you need to connect with God first? That's your first connection. And we also need to grow 
in God. So we don't just need to connect, but now we need to grow. We need to abide so that we can grow. We also need to connect with each other, right? Come to our prayer nights. Come meet the people that are praying for you. Amen? Come meet people. And then next month, we're going to do some things for the men and the women. And we're going to take the whole church through what I call a leadership track. What does it mean to be a leader? How can I lead in my home? How can I lead in my family? And kind of like what God has taught my wife and I in our own personal walk with God. And so we want to invite you to do that. But also, we want you to connect with this uh, region. We want to connect with this region, and we want to grow in influence. And so what does that look like? We're already talking about how we can serve our community, serve our leaders, serve our police officers, serve those in a, serve our, you know, all different, um, different, um, nonprofit organizations and, and just bring justice. Amen. And so, but we want to grow an influence and connect with the region. And then of course we want to connect with the nations and we want to grow in our love for the world. And so I want to encourage you, if you felt something leap when I put up the slide up there about Mexico, we're going to Mexico from March 13th to the 21st, and that's going to be a great opportunity. It's a great entry level. I mean, I'm bringing my daughter. Uh, that's how entry level it is. I'm going to bring her along with me just so she can just kind of get a taste of the nations under her belt. And so uh, we're just asking that if you want to go, there's a sign-up sheet right on the table out there. Go sign up. I'll tell you, a mi- one mission trip will change your life. Two mission trips, you'll probably be called into ministry. It's just the way it works. And so the price is really low. I think we've made it at the estimated price is $750. And so we'll be giving more details once you give us your email and everything. But uh, you definitely want to go. You don't want to miss it. It's from a Monday to a Tuesday. We come back early if you need to go to work later on. So um, I just want to bless you with that. But can we all just stand up on our feet? And um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you. I know we already received the offering, so we're good. I want to pray for you and I want to take... 10, uh, 10 minutes. I'm going to pray for you up here. Then we're going to pray for you in that row right up there. So we could turn the lights off or whatever. But I really want you guys to think about what has God called me to do? Some of you don't even know what your vision is. Some of you are still wondering, what am I called to do? Ask God to begin to speak to you. And I believe that as we have certain people praying for you today, that God will speak to your heart. He will minister to you. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, ask God, what do you need to do in this moment? And, and say, Lord, I'm open to waiting. Amen. That's so important. You got to you got to get your life in neutral. Sometimes you got to get your your feelings in neutral and let God speak to you. Let that you don't want to drive yourself. You want God to take the wheel. Amen. And for some of you who are already pursuing vision, you're already got it going. You already got your website and all those things going. Ask the Lord, what's your next step? How do what's your why? Why are you doing what you're doing? And ask God to develop you and to strengthen you in your journey. And Mark Batterson says something that I love. Don't be afraid to start something. And by God, please don't be afraid to stop it. (laughs) So encouraging today. Amen. But I really want us to check our hearts because God really wants to birth his vision. How many know one vision from the Lord, from Nehemiah, to build up the walls? And guess what happened? We're reading about him a thousand years, thousands of years later. Maybe it's for your family. Maybe it's for your kids. I don't know what it's for. But the greatest vision you can have is a vision of Jesus. And if you don't know him today, if you've never given your life over to the Lord, we want to take that opportunity to pray for you as well. And so right now, just with every head bowed, if you have never given your heart to the Lord and you say, Malik, I want to give my heart to the Lord today. To, uh, I want to give it to him right now. I just want you to go ahead and just slip up your hand. If that's you today, you said, Malik, I've been away from church. I've been away from the things of God and I want a vision for my life, but the first vision I need is Jesus. I need him to come into my life with every head bowed and just raise up your hand if that's you. If you want to give your, your heart to the Lord, just raise up that hand. All right, amen. And anybody watching online as well, if you want to give your heart to the Lord today, we want to pray for you. So all together, let's pray this together as a sign of faith. Say, Father, I know I've sinned. 
but you love me and you made a way for me. Jesus, I welcome you into my heart. I say that you are the son of God and that you died for me and that you rose again. Jesus, live in my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Change my life around and give me great vision. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody shout amen. Come on, shout amen. Give the Lord a clap. Hey, listen, we're...